Sometimes when you look around at the body of Christ today, we can, we can wonder where, where are things going right now? What's most important in the body of Christ today? And what saddens me is, is what I, I see kind of gaining some momentum in the church today is, is this value for tolerance and tact. Like a good church in the body of Christ, man, we're really being like Jesus if we practice more tolerance and more tact. If we just really kind of follow that, let's all go along to get along to go along kind of a thing. And because that's how Jesus was. Jesus was just this go along to get along kind of guy. And, and that's how the early church operated too. That's how the apostles, I mean, when you read the Bible, it's all about tolerance and tact. But, well, wait a minute. When we read the Bible, maybe it's not quite like that. Jesus was a change agent. Jesus would have been considered a rebel. Jesus confronted people, and he even offended them, so much so that they hung him on a cross. So when we read our Bibles, we're not necessarily encouraged to be a people of tolerance intact. Rather, we're encouraged to be a people who are willing to fight for truth and love. That's what the Bible encourages us to do. I mean, think about this. Love is not tolerant. It isn't. Love does not tolerate lies. If you tolerate a lie, if you go along with a lie, you're not being loving. Love Love doesn't ignore sinful behavior. Love doesn't let another person drive their life off of a cliff, destroy themselves, disfigure themselves. That's not what love does. Love doesn't walk away from controversy. Love doesn't walk away from conflict. Today in our Mission 27 journey, we're going to find ourselves in the book of Galatians. You can open up right now. It's right after 2 Corinthians. Galatians. And Galatians is not a go-along-to-get-along letter. It's not a letter of tolerance. It's not a letter of tact. Galatians argues. Galatians argues with other Christians. Galatians has even been the cause of many arguments. And the body of Christ is better because Galatians has stirred up arguments within the church. In fact, it was the book of Galatians that rocked Martin Luther's world so much so that he went and he nailed 99 Theses on that door and launched the Reformation. The book of Galatians smacked him right between the eyes and brought him back to truth. Not tolerance, not tact, but truth. Now, there's a lot that Christians can argue about. We can argue about coffee. I'd like to argue about coffee right now just a little bit. I'm just going to go ahead and say coffee is coffee. And when you take this beautiful thing called coffee, and then you put cream in it and sugar in it, 
and heaven forbid these artificial sweeteners in it, you have just destroyed something that God has made. You have diluted it. You have perverted it. And you are in danger of the fire of hell. Now, until the fire of hell thing, everything I said was true. I'm just saying, you've perverted it. You've diluted it. You've created a Frankenstein drink. Some of you need some deliverance. So we can argue about that. There's a lot that Christians could argue about. Galatians is a, a letter that argues, but it doesn't argue about nonsense. Galatians is not going to argue about secondary issues, issues like end times theology. Issues about tongues, uh, are they for today or not for today? Galatians doesn't talk about that. Paul does talk about that kind of stuff later, and we just went through that in 1 in Corinthians. It's not like any of these things don't matter. I'm just saying Galatians is a, is, a, is a book of arguing, but not about those secondary things, not about how and when we should practice Sabbath, or exactly is tithing a New Testament thing, or is it just an Old Testament thing, and, and, and how does that all work out, or or church government structure, or can, can Christians drink alcohol, and if so, how much? Because I want to know exactly where that line is, you know what I'm saying? I mean, no, I mean, Galatians doesn't go for those secondary issues. Galatians goes right for the throat, man. Galatians goes straight to the core of our faith, which is the gospel. Amen. The gospel. In Galatians, Paul reveals that there's something worth arguing and fighting for within the church, and that's the gospel. The way that the enemy can make the church insignificant and powerless is to allow the church or to help the church pervert, dilute the gospel just like some do with coffee. I'm serious. You want the church to be insignificant in the world today? In many ways, I think the church is insignificant in the world today. Not everywhere, not all the time, but often insignificant we don't matter. I'd say it's because we haven't kept the gospel as number one. We haven't kept the main thing, the main thing. The gospel's getting lost in all the hype, all the wokeness, all the self-focus. I'm going to tell you what, the biggest issue that I see in the body of Christ today, and maybe in some of y'all's lives, maybe in my life from time to time, is when we think it's all about us. When we read the Bible looking for answers for us, rather than reading the Bible looking for Jesus. When we go run into messages that are all about, how's it going to make me feel better and give me my best life right now, versus I want to hear Jesus exalted. Amen. Churches are awesome. The body of Christ is awesome. The body of Christ is absolutely necessary in our broken world today. If the church was removed from the world today, this world would go to hell in a handbasket like that immediately. You take the salt and light out of the world, darkness is the only thing that's left. That's it. Lights out. The church is important, but churches that exist primarily for the church, I'm telling you, 
they've missed the gospel. If church is all about us right here, hey, y'all, it's all about us. We've missed the main thing. And we've made ourselves irrelevant. We've lost our saltiness. The gospel exists to seek and save the lost. And when we focus on the gospel, we're going to get a heart for the lost. But when we ignore the gospel, we're just going to revert to a heart for ourselves. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He didn't come for the healthy. He didn't come for comfort. He didn't come for warm fuzzies. He came for those who were being chewed up and spit out by darkness. That's the gospel. So here we are in Galatians chapter 1. Paul's going to cut right to the chase. We're going to start right in chapter 1, verse 1. And the problem that, and the argument that Paul has for this church in Galatia, which I would say is for the church for all time, we always need to hear this kind of message is this. He says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me, to the church in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God, our God and Father. I think this is awesome. I don't know if this ever strikes you, if you, if you just blow by kind of intros like that and kind of welcomes like that. But do you realize that Paul just took the opportunity to say hi to them? And as he was saying hi to the church in Galatia, he just preached the gospel? Right there. That one very long sentence right there. Paul just laid out the gospel in his introduction. Right there. Verse 5. To him glory and, and honor forever and ever. Amen. In verse 6 he says, I'm astonished. Now here we go. I love you all. Jesus is great. He set us free. And here he comes with a hammer. Pretty quickly right here. He says, but I'm astonished that you're so quickly. I mean, have you gotten a letter like that? I mean, you're, I can't wait to hear from the Apostle Paul, man. Oh, I'm so ready to be encouraged. Oh, yeah, come on now. And he's like, oh, grace and peace to you. Oh, Jesus is great. He saved us. He's reconciled us to God. I'm paraphrasing all that. And then the next sentence, he said, I'm astonished that you're just a bunch of losers. Anyway, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are, are putting creamer and, 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 and artificial sweeteners into it, and they're throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Oh, I'm so glad Paul sent me a letter. Woo, this is great. Point number one, there's only one gospel. And as you're studying and as you're reading through, by the way, somebody, somebody told me, I won't, I won't point them out right now, but um, somebody was saying, man, you know, I'm, go, I'm trying to read them all, that book through all at one sitting, you know, it's hard, and, and I get it. Here's the good news. They're getting shorter. You know, as we go, they're getting shorter. So now we're in Galatians, there are only six chapters. I think y'all can do it in one sitting. So what I'm doing today is I'm just setting up 
the book of Galatians, right? This is our Mission 27 journey, right? We're going through the 27 books of the New Testament, and, and these sermons are not to go line by line, but they're more to set up the bigger picture of what is God saying to us and how does he want us to take these different letters in their totality and then understand him and apply them to our lives and live for him, right? So as you look at the first two chapters of this book of Galatians, you're going to be reminded that there is only one gospel. How many gospels are there? There's only one. There's only one. So Paul talks about what saves us. You know, a lot of people out there in the world have, are asking that question. Well, what saves me? And then how about this one? What keeps us saved? Paul addresses all that right here in this book. Is this a simple answer? What saves us? Or is it more complicated? Pastor Gary Kinman, some of you know Pastor Gary. He's been my pastor for years and years. And he has a famous saying. It's Jesus plus nothing. How many of you know that saying? It's Jesus plus nothing. And then it continues and it says, and that changes everything. How many of you know that? It's Jesus plus nothing and that changes everything. But the gospel is really that simple. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's that simple. It's that straightforward. And I'm going to try to kind of grab what, what, what Pastor Gary has said. And I'm going to kind of move it. And I'm going to say, it's the gospel plus nothing. It's the birth, the life. It's the death and the resurrection of Jesus alone. It's, it's Jesus alone that saves. In other words, we bring nothing to the table. The world brings nothing to the table. You bring nothing to the table. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your kids, nobody brings anything to the table when it relates to our salvation. And thinking that we do, dilutes the gospel. It makes it unrecognizable and powerless and insignificant. I read a story this week. It talks about how in 2005 there was a cancer patient named Georgia Hayes and she won a $2.2 billion, that's with a B, a $2.2 billion settlement against her pharmacist who had diluted her chemotherapy drugs with water. In the process, she lost her best chance of recovery. You'd think 2.2 billion, wow, that's awesome, but no, not when you only have a few weeks left at that point. It's not awesome. You see, when we dilute something, it can become deadly. Ineffective. Here's what dilute means. I looked it up for you all this week, so you don't have to. Dilute means to make thinner, to lessen strength, to adulterate, to reduce value or efficiency, to make fainter, or to water down. I talked about coffee, just so you all have a kind of a reference point, right? That's what I'm talking about. But what could be more deadly than diluting cancer medication? Maybe something like a placebo pill for a cardiac patient instead of what they really need, or, or maybe diluting or replacing insulin with water or something else like that. There is actually something more deadly, and that's this. The deadliest medicine is a watered-down, diluted gospel because the results are tragic and they're eternal. 
A watered-down, diluted gospel is the most dangerous thing that anybody could run into these days. I'll just say it this way. A diluted gospel sends people to hell. It just does. So in Galatians, Paul defends the gospel against those who are seeking to add to it, to change it, to pervert it, to redefine it, and to dilute it. These people that were trying to do this were called Judaizers of the day. The religious people who were, who were trying to make salvation a lot more complicated. A lot more about them. Galatians 2.16 says, Know that a person is not justified, not justified by the works of the law, but by faith. I want you to hold on to that word faith. You're going to see that a whole lot in Galatians. In fact, you see it throughout the entire Bible. Faith is so important. That a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. A gospel that involves your performance, that involves your strength, that is dependent upon what you can do, have done, or will do is a diluted gospel. So what's this justification? We're not justified by works, but by faith in Jesus. Justification is to be declared righteous. You want the biggest miracle there is in the universe. It's that Eric Jones could be declared righteous. Don't be looking at me like that, because I could have used your name just as easy. But seriously, seriously, the biggest miracle, the most amazing gift is that any of us could be declared righteous. That's why the gospel is so important. Justification is to be declared righteous, to be in right relationship with God, to be forgiven and actually placed in God's family. Now, as a result of this, of being justified and forgiven and placed in God's family and becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus, the old passed away, behold, the new has come, there's transformation that happens. There's a whole lot that happens after salvation. There's a whole lot that happens after that amazing great exchange as our sins are atoned for, there's a lot that, so don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't, don't go there and go, but, 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 yeah. But if you take any of that stuff that happens later and you put it ahead, you've just diluted, perverted the gospel. Justification is to be declared righteous. To be put in right standing with the Holy One. And the change is a result of the gospel which is the work of Jesus in Christ alone. And it's this gospel of Jesus plus nothing that justifies us. And trying to add something to the gospel 
I want you to just, just think about yourself right now. Are you trying to add something to the gospel? It's easy to do. It wouldn't be shocking. You wouldn't be the first. Are you leaning on your own, on your own goodness from time to time? Are you comparing yourself with others and I'm better than they are? It's easy to do. You can't earn your salvation. I want to step on some toes this morning. Now, I imagine most of you are not diluting the gospel by insisting that circumcision be added back into the gospel. And if you are, you can leave right now. Anyway. Most of you are not stepping on the gospel or diluting the gospel. Hopefully you're not because you're saying, well, the gospel is Jesus plus my, you know, complete perfect obedience all times, every day, all day. If that's the case, you're going you're gonna to lose. So is it Jesus plus obedience? Is it Jesus plus circumcision? I want to ask, I want to ask one here to get a little closer to home to us who are more along the, the, the spirit-filled, charismatic, kind of Pentecostal flow or stream, if you will. Is it Jesus plus tongues? Is that salvation? Is that, is that when we're saved? Is it Jesus plus we've reached some sort of, of spiritual you know, proof or something like that? No, it's not. It's Jesus plus nothing. The gospel is Jesus did it all. We sang that this morning, didn't we? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. All we bring is our, is our brokenness and sin and pain and, and, and twistedness. That's all we bring to the table. Nothing else to the table. Now, obedience is, is important. And it's something that we're actually able to do because of the grace, because of the gospel, as a result of the gospel, as being those who have received the grace that comes from the gospel, obedience flows out of that. You know, somebody would ask, what came, comes first, the chicken or the egg? I'm going to say every Christian should know the answer to this. The chicken came first. God created animals and birds and, and, and fish and people. He didn't create eggs. Chickens created eggs to make more chickens. God made them that way. But the chicken came first. Just letting you know right now. All right? You don't have to be. If that's the only thing you got out of this sermon, then I failed. But anyway, um, the chicken came first. Okay? All right. All right. Where am I right now? I'm talking about chickens and eggs and, oh, man. I'm about to start preaching Genesis and creation and, and you know, all this kind of stuff. But God has a lot of really good, amazing things for us that are ours because of the gospel. Because we have received by faith what Christ has done. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. The Holy Spirit pours out gifts and, and blessings and comfort. and oh, I mean, I'm telling you, it, it goes on and on. There was, I think, another song we were going to sing. I heard him practicing it. All your promises are yes and amen. We didn't get to that because God was moving in people's lives this morning. 
We're just doing ministry instead. There are so many promises of God that are yes and amen. What does scripture say? In Christ Jesus. Where does it all go back to? The gospel. It all goes back to Jesus. And when we can just let go and let it all be about Jesus, that's when we're going to see all those promises unfolding in our lives. And I'm not talking about health and wealth and all this kind of stuff. I'm just talking about the goodness of God and how he interacts with us because we are his children now because of the gospel. Paul writes in Galatians 2, 19, 20, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. And check this out. Y'all know this passage. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Let me just stop and say, can you really say you believe that? And that's the reality of your life. I pray that you can. I've been crucified. I'm dead. Eric is dead. Everything that he can do and bring to the table, that's dead. No value. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, this is just the goodness of God. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not, no longer I who live, not the old Eric who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. There's that word again. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's all because of Jesus. It's what he has done and what he's done alone. It's not us. Faith in Christ from beginning to end. We're saved by faith in Christ and we live day by day by faith in Christ. Let's go to point number two. The gospel is for all. It's another big message in the, in the book of Galatians, in the letter to the Galatians. Chapters three and four primarily. In other words, you've heard me say this before. Christianity is the most inclusive religion. I'm going to say it again. Christianity is the most inclusive religion. For God so loved the world. That's pretty inclusive. The world. Not just a certain nation or certain people group or this and that. For God so loved the world, all ethne, all people, that he gave his only son. That whoever would believe upon him would not perish but would have everlasting life. God desires that all would come to him, that all would be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4 says that. Back in Genesis 12, God made a covenant with Abraham. I'm back in Genesis again. It's foundational. It's foundational. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, God made a covenant with a guy named Abraham. Why? Because of his faith. Because of his faith. Galatians is going to go back to this and talk about Abraham. Talk about faith, okay? He makes a covenant with Abraham because of his faith. Why does he make the covenant with Abraham? So that Abraham and his people would be blessed? We often think that. No, he made a covenant with Abraham so that all nations, all people would be blessed. All people. God's plan has never been that only some select group would be set aside for salvation. All others determined to hell. No, God's covenant, both old and new, is for all people who through faith would come to him. It's the 
from Genesis all the way through, it's the message of the Bible. I have blessed Israel so that they would be a blessing to all nations. Not so that they would be a blessing at the exclusion of all nations. Not so that Israel would be blessed by God and every other nation would be forsaken by the Lord. I have blessed Israel so that they might be a blessing to all the nations. The Lord has blessed you with salvation so that you would be a blessing to every one of your neighbors in this entire world that you come in contact with. Not at the exclusion of other people. It's not like God's like, you know, I only got so much room, you know, in the eternal kingdom. I only got so many spots. So we're going to play this, what's that game you play? Um, Musical chairs. And you better be hoping that you get one of those chairs. No, there are plenty of chairs available. God is not limited. He's not limited. All that would come to him by faith are welcomed into his kingdom for all eternity, saved. All. And all means all. It means all. So Paul indicates in Galatians 3.19 that the law came after the promise. Reminding us of what the promise is. The law was always to be temporary while faith would remain. I'm going to tell you what, press into faith this week. What does it mean? What does it mean? I'm going to believe it's going to take you past Galatians back into some other passages of Scripture that you've read time and time again, but maybe you're going to see it from a little different, you know, not so narrow of a perspective, but a, but a little larger contextual perspective of faith. Faith remains. The law had a purpose until Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. But now through Jesus, salvation came to all people regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their social status or gender, any of that stuff. How does salvation come? By faith. By faith. Verse, chapter 3, verse 26 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. How? Through Faith, through faith. And faith isn't a work. Faith isn't an achievement that you have made. Faith is trusting in the work of another. Faith is trusting in the work of Jesus. That's all faith is. It's realizing it's Jesus plus nothing. I am trusting solely, completely on what Christ has done, period, end of story. That's my hope. That's it. That's faith. So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. And in chapter 4, verse 28, it says, then we become children of the promise. So when we understand that, I hope we begin to see that the gospel, it's for you, but it's also for your neighbor. It's for the cashier that you see at Costco every once in a while. While you're spending $600, you know, on a carload of food. Crazy, ridiculous. The gospel is for your uncle, the crazy one even. The gospel is for your family members. It's even for the homeless guy that you drive by. It's for all people. And salvation is theirs. 
by faith. By faith. But how will they know unless they hear? And how will they hear unless somebody tells them? I read that somewhere. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? How beautiful are the feet of those who actually share the gospel with others? And here's the deal. When you embrace the gospel, you're going to change. I talked about that a little bit already. You're going to think differently and you're going to act differently. Why? Because you've been crucified with Christ. You no longer live. It's Christ who lives in you. Man, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Point number three, the gospel brings transformation. And Paul moves into that reality in chapters five and six of Galatians. But how? How does the gospel bring transformation? Look, the law never transformed anybody. The only thing the law did was it made you not want to sin because it was costing you another prize cow or goat or something like that that you'd have to bring because you messed up again and you have to bring it back to the temple and get it slaughtered and there goes another one. The priests get to eat, but your family, you know, whatever, right? So man, that's going to motivate some people, but that doesn't empower you. That doesn't give you any more power to live for God. That makes you right with the Lord. The Lord gave that old covenant, that old sacrificial system and blood to spill to, to satisfy forgiveness of sin. But it didn't transform a heart. But Jesus showed up. And that perfect lamb that was slain who spilled his blood to cover our sins. We just took communion this morning. Jesus himself said, this, this blood, this, this cup represents my blood, which represents a new covenant that you have in me. That new covenant is this. That there has been once and for all a sacrifice. There's no longer a need for a sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice has been made. And when by faith you receive that and embrace that and walk in it, not only are you cleansed of your sins, but the very grace, the very power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that conquered sin and death, becomes alive in your life. And you are walking now in a new way where you can actually think different. You can act different. You can love differently now. That's the result of the gospel. See, that's what grace is. Sometimes we've, we've listened to people who've just distilled grace down to, it's your free pass, your ticket to heaven. I'm going to say, what are you talking about? Grace is the power of God alive within me that has transformed me, that's justified me, that's declared me righteous before a holy God. That's power right there. That's, that's supernatural. That's, that's indescribable, really. And it's that same grace, as, as Paul wrote to Titus in Titus 2, 11 through 13, it's that same grace that justifies us, that now teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live a godly, upright life in this present age. You see, it's not a ticket to heaven. It's the power of God that's working in our lives, that has worked, that is working, and that will work. That has saved us, that is saving us, and that will save us. That's God's grace. Do you wake up every day realizing that you have the power of God within you to live for God now? To live for him. 
And when we realize that, we can look at the nonsense of those temptations and the things of the world that are trying to drag us back. And we say, who do you think you are? Yeah, you're powerful, but your days are over. I've got the power of God in me. No, no. I'm thinking differently now. I'm looking at things differently now. Dude, do you realize I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus? Wow. That's the gospel. That's the result of the gospel. So the gospel, embracing the work of Jesus, it brings freedom and it brings fruit. I'm getting out of breath here, man. I'm getting a little excited. Wow. When we embrace the work of Christ, we're declared righteous. When we're made new, when the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes and indwells within us. Y'all, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Unbelievable. We're pressing into that here at Evident Life Church more and more. The fact that the living God is indwelling within us, the Holy Spirit. We're pressing into that. God says, eagerly desire those things. We're eagerly desiring those things. We're seeking God in those things. We're, we're making room, as we sang about earlier, for how God wants to move in our lives. God is supernatural. This world isn't very good at handling supernatural anymore. But we need to be, we need to be big boys and girls and, 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 and let God be God. I wasn't here Wednesday night. Maybe that's why it was such a great prayer meeting, but I wasn't here Wednesday night. But my son, Ben, was like, Dad, Wednesday night prayer was awesome. He's like, man, it was like we were praying. All of a sudden, you know, Pastor Tim got a word about a healing, and somebody said, yeah, and then they got healed right there in the meeting. And, and, and a couple weeks ago, I just felt the Lord saying, let's just all minister to one another, and let's just let's ask God to have a word of a, uh, to speak over somebody's life, to, to bring life, to encourage them, to build them up. And, and God is moving. I don't know about you, but, but last week right here at, at, in our church service, I mean, the Lord was just moving in, in, in wonderful ways. I mean, this, this is just what happens when we just embrace the gospel and trust God and realize that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us, that he comes and he pitches his tent right here in this room as we're gathered together as God's people or in your house or in your life group or, or wherever may be out on the street as you're ministering to that person who's broken and hurting. God is right there, fully powerful, fully able, fully capable. He's right there. So, Embracing the gospel brings freedom and it brings fruit. Uh, so in Galatians 5.2, we have this famous passage that either gets you excited or really convicts you. See some of the guys going, oh boy, here we go. Fruit of the Spirit passage. Here's the deal. The fruit of the Spirit. The result of being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And that only happens if you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't make his home in anything that's not been made right before God. And the only way that's done is through Christ and Christ alone. So the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells, and there's fruit. There's a result of this. This is the whole thing. There's a result of doing life with God. 
and doing life God's way. And here's the result. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And my wife's favorite one that's been happening in my life a little more is self-control. Against such, there is no law. You see, there are visible and tangible results of the gospel. You can know that you have embraced the gospel. Look at your life. And I'm going to flip it around the other way. If you're not seeing changes like this, if you're not seeing an increase in, the, in these results and this fruit of goodness, faithful, generous self-control and these things, if you're not seeing it, man, I want to just point you back to the gospel. I don't want you to, no, no self-help thing, no pull yourself up by your bootstraps, no just suck it up and I'm going to do better next time and shame on me and oh, I'm such a bad person. I want to point you back to the gospel. I want to point you back to Jesus. I want to point you back to the cross and the resurrection. I want to point you back to communion. Because out of that is where all of this flows, from that place, from the gospel. So does this fruit just magically appear in my life? Well, Paul says this, Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So notice the order of things. It's, again, a chicken and an egg thing. The chicken came first, right? The gospel came first. Christ alone saves. Our role is to believe. The power of Jesus transforms us, not ourselves. So he saves us. We believe and receive. Now he's transforming us. How do we react to that reality? We keep in step with it. We cooperate with what God is doing. And it's being intentional. You all know this. If you're not intentional, you're going to get pulled right into all the nonsense of this world and all the noise of this world. It's being intentional. It's waking up every day and cooperating with what God is doing. Daily following, daily taking up our cross, daily choosing the kingdom of heaven, daily being in that place of prayer and listening for his voice. I encourage you to do that. It's one of the promises of God that you can hear his voice. His sheep hear his voice. Be still and know that I am God. But keeping in step with the Spirit is embracing what Christ has done for us and is doing in us. It's allowing ourselves to be carried along by the Spirit. In Romans, we looked at the difference between either living in the flesh or in the Spirit. Choose the Spirit every day. Every day. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should gently restore that person. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And then it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And Paul concludes by returning to the simplicity of this in Galatians 6.15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. All those things that we think are so important, they don't mean anything. What counts is the new creation.
the new creation? Have you trusted in Jesus? Is your faith in Christ alone? No creamer, no sugar. <laughs> Heaven forbid artificial sweetener, none of that stuff. Is your faith in Christ alone? Is your hope in Christ alone? Not, not how you performed yesterday or how much better or worse you are than this other person. No, I mean, is your hope in Jesus alone? That's what counts. Because when it is, you're a new creation. That's incredible. A new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Because of what Jesus did. Let's stand up and close. I want to encourage you to enjoy reading Galatians. Really from a fresh new perspective. Let let this argumentative letter maybe challenge you. Do a little business in, in your life, in your, in your mind, in your heart. I pray that as you read Galatians that you fall in love once again with the simplicity of the gospel. That it really is Jesus plus nothing. And that changes everything. It changes everything. I want to encourage you to maybe enjoy some non-diluted coffee as you're reading through the book of Galatians this week. It may take it to a whole nother level is all I'm saying. And here, you know, when you, when you finish up Galatians and you, you close it, I want to encourage you to walk in the freedom now that you have in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you to, to, to open up your eyes at what the Lord really has set before you as his children, as the redeemed, as heirs and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you. Maybe you're like, I don't really know what this means to walk by the Spirit. That's okay. You're going to learn day by day. But press into, press into that. Just ask the Lord. Say, I want to walk by the Spirit today. I want to be in step today with you, Holy Spirit. I want to be in step with you. Just start praying those. You might not even know. I don't even know what that's going to mean. I don't even know what the result's going to be. Just start, It's in the Bible, y'all. Be in step with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Just pray for, for what God is, has for you. And let's start to see where God is going to lead us, individually but also corporately, as his church, as we believe for those things. And the last thing I want to say is this. People are hurting, and you have what they need. You have the gospel of Jesus. You have his name. His love, his power, his message, his presence through the Holy Spirit. You have what this hurting world needs. Please share it with others.